This is In the Zone, your home for Salina Sports Talk. High school sports, Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany, KU, K-State, and Wichita State. Wait, is there anything these guys don't cover? You're in the zone. In the zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL and 106.7. He's Jackson Schneider. I'm James Westling in the driver's seat today for this Thursday, July 7th, because Jackson is working remotely today, which means that we don't get to hang out in the office, Jackson. We have to do it over the Skype, if you will. Hey, I didn't tell you this earlier. Uh, I'm going to be, I wouldn't say I'm going to be TBD for tomorrow's show. I'll probably be here. But I'm golfing in a golf tournament in the morning, which my boss is super pumped about, me being out of the office for like the eighth (laughs) time in the last 10 business days. Uh, But tomorrow morning, I'm going to be partaking in the Bishop Fitzsimmons golf tournament at the Salina Country Club. So I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, it sounded like we might have K-State football coach Chris Kleiman on the show tomorrow. But would would you say, Jackson, it's safe to say that that's been postponed since we'll definitely be talking to him next week at Big 12 Media Days? Yeah, it was kind of a weird uh, situation. And it was like, we're trying to plan, but he's been on vacation for the last week because it's kind of a, a dead period in terms of like what he can do coaching-wise. But he got back from his vacation, according to our K-State media contact today. And the only free day that he really has between now and Big 12 Media Days is tomorrow, but since he's been gone, he has things to catch up on. And basically, we're just like, you know what? Just hit us in Dallas. We'll see you there. It'll be fine. We'll get it figured out. The luxury that we have, James, is time. We have all summer to get Coach on and still trying to get Jerome Tang on, but it sounds like he's been hitting the transfer portal still over the last couple of weeks to try and get that roster ironed out. So eventually, a coach is going to talk to us. Eventually. Where do you think Chris Kleiman went for vacation? Does know, he does he seem like a beach guy to you, or does he kind of seem like a mountain man? I, I, I would peg him this time of year for a, a beach guy. I do know he enjoys to golf, so I would bet he went somewhere where the golfing is pretty good. Okay. So do you but, think uh, you think he did like an all-inclusive resort? Like you think he went out of the country, or do you think he uh, – see, I picture him as more like a rugged outdoorsman. Like, I feel like, you know, I feel like he could, like, uh, uh, be in an episode of Yellowstone. I picture him in the mountains or, you know, hunting or something to that effect. I, I could see it. But if I had to guess, I would guess he went somewhere like like Mexico, where it, he could just relax, kick his feet up, have a few drinks, spend time with his family, hit the golf course, you know, do all of the relaxation things that you and I and, and most people enjoy, but do it all at once. Because when he comes back, it's media days, then it's preparation for fall camp, and then all of a sudden, in less than 60 days, it's week one against South Dakota. So he's going to be hitting the road the, the road to the season, I guess, pretty darn hard when he gets back. So I bet he's getting it all in at once. Yeah, I could see that. A triple threat guy, if you will. Okay, uh, college football realignment update. Jackson, I've got the Google Doc that we share in front of me, and... I guess the lead um, that you have here that, that we can start with is just the fact that there are a lot of crazy rumors out there right now. And you stumbled across one today that uh, doesn't seem to have any um, 
justification to it, but somebody is is starting to kind of circulate a rumor that's being caught on uh, of Clemson, North Carolina, Virginia, and Florida State being in talks with the SEC. And the SEC ballooning from what is already going to be around 20 teams to almost 30 teams. So, so where did you find this? So first of all, I want to start off kind of at the top here. And it's that, yes, that is the, the report that has dominated the the world of, of college football realignment today. But that being said, it was first reported by a guy named Braden Keith, who is the co-founder and editor-in-chief of Swim Swam News, which is a news, lifestyle, training, and swimming reporter, like college swimming, Olympic swimming, that kind of stuff. So first of all, how does this person have any insight whatsoever about this whole SEC situation? But he said that he had a source that said North Carolina, Florida State, Clemson, and Virginia are all negotiating to join the SEC because ESPN is trying to void their TV deal with the ACC. And that, first of all, is hilarious because we have seen somewhat recently a lot of big news get broken by unsuspecting reporters, people who don't typically cover things in major ways. They just stumble upon leads and information gets out. But a swimming reporter breaks this news. And obviously, that's a pretty hefty allegation that, that the SEC is poaching for ACC schools. So obviously, a lot of people, especially on social media, where this all originated on Twitter, um, people took it and ran and were freaking out about what's going to happen next, the sky is falling, blah, blah, blah. Well, not long after that, Barrett Sally, who's a CBS Sports college football reporter, said that that's complete BS. There's no way that the SEC would negotiate with those four schools, at least – not right now is what it, it seems like. He said that that's plain and simple. That's silly. Uh, but by that point, it was already too late. Because as you know, James, and as I know very well as the world's foremost Twitter expert, there are a lot of goofy reports out there. And people will just put things out there to get a rise out of people and to to get clout, to get retweets, to get followers, etc. And people will just believe what they read on social media. And and I've fallen prey to it. I know you have from time or, uh, from time to time, James. It, it happens to everybody. But it's times like this exactly that make social media um, so difficult to navigate, especially at times like, like where there's news happening at every turn and nobody really knows what's going on there's a bunch of different narratives and a bunch of different sources coming from a bunch of different people so nobody really knows what to believe but it's all just hit a giant nuclear bomb on twitter today because of this report which again seems to be completely inaccurate wrong in every way and it's been defunct by, as we mentioned, Barrett Sally, but a bunch of other college football reporters as well. So I just wanted to kind of take this and use it as an example of how like people, if, if you're on social media and you're trying to find the latest on any situation, let alone this one, please vet your sources, vet your reporters, vet your your you know accounts. Because if somebody by the name of of like MJ Sports Fan 420 <laughs> tweets something like the SEC and Big Ten are pulling out of the NCAA and are going to launch a new league with all their games played on Mars. Chances are 
somebody's going to run with it on social media, even though it's completely ridiculous. And I wanted people to just like take a step back and make sure they're listening to credible people in the sports media world, like ESPN, The Athletic, CBS Sports. Now, granted, everything they report may not be 100% accurate, but they are at least reputable sources. They are, are the folks with, with their finger on the pulse of most situations as it relates to sports and college football in this day and age, much rather than some schmo sitting on his couch tweeting random stuff about, you know, so-and-so's joining the, the Big Ten and, and the Big 12 is falling apart and they're going to hit a giant nuclear bomb in the middle of Colorado and get rid of the Buffalo, blah, blah, blah. Just... Be careful. That's the point I'm trying to make here. You're preaching to the choir. That is good stuff, Jackson. Good stuff indeed. And um, just to kind of piggyback off of that, you know, one thing that I try to keep in mind is the fact that, you know, a lot of what we would call legitimate websites or news outlets, ESPN, CBS Sports, they're the ones that are right in the middle of all of this. So they can print and write whatever they want uh, to, to make them look good. And so, you know, I, I definitely look for the blue check mark, but I don't always look for these giant media companies in terms of what to believe. Now, with that said, I have found a guy on Twitter, and I'm going to give you his handle, Jackson. I want to see if you're following him. He's got a weird picture. It's just an old football player. Looks like Michigan. And his, his Twitter handle is M-H-V-E-R-3. And he tweeted on April 18th of this past, th- 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 this year, uh, what was that, about three months ago, four months ago? He tweeted that Fox Sports is advising the Big Ten to expand and USC and UCLA are the prime candidates being eyed, as I told you six plus months ago. How big will they go, though? And... Everybody said he was crazy. Nobody believed him. Boom. It just happened. And when you go back through his history, the guy is well-connected. He doesn't out any of his sources, but it is very clear that the dude has sources. He was the first to report, and I see that you have the ESPN article quoted here, uh, linked for us to view, but he was the first to report that the Pac-12 got a $220 million offer from ESPN. ESPN said no expansion, transfer of ownership of the Pac-12 networks to ESPN, yearly scheduling of one AAC, uh, no, ACC, yearly scheduling of one ACC team per school, and then a Clash of Champions Bowl at the end of the year. That would basically be an extra game after all the other conference championship games between the Pac-12 champ and the ACC champ. They play an extra game to get those schools additional revenue. Um, As part of the deal, ESPN would pay Oregon and Washington an additional $15 million to stay in the Pac-12 and play two ACC teams every year. So what are your thoughts on everything that I just rattled off there as it pertains to the Pac-12 and their future? Well, I'm I'm glad that you built into this guy, the MHVER3, because... He is, as you mentioned, kind of the the leader when it comes to the the rumors and the situations. But you're right; like he he's been pretty pretty solid with what he said. And the thing for me behind this guy, because he's not a big ch- blue check mark, high profile reporter or or analyst. But the thing that 
has really kind of directed me to this guy, and it's kind of going back to what I said about vetting who you're listening to, the credible people, it's that there are a lot of high-profile people that are basically backing up what he said mm -hmm. for the most part. That doesn't, again, doesn't make it 100% accurate, but it at least gives you sort of a barometer for what exactly is going on. Because if this guy says something and, and there's a million people disagreeing, then obviously there's something wrong with it. But this, if there's several other people staking their reputation on it by kind of seconding seconding what he said, then that gives you a little bit of an idea that, okay, maybe this isn't that far off. Maybe this is pretty accurate. So uh, I'm glad you picked this guy because I've, I've actually follow him and I've been following him the last two weeks now ever since he really blew up because he was that first person that kind of leaked that Big Ten expansion situation a couple months ago. What are your thoughts on the Pac-12 and the ACC trying to, I guess in some ways it would be an alliance. The Big 12 basically told the Pac-12 to kick rocks when it comes to the Big 12 and the Pac-12 alliance because the Pac-12, uh, number one, wanted to still call it the Pac-whatever and then really didn't budge when it came to a lot of the negotiations. But to have an extra game after all the conference championship games between the ACC and the Pac-12, and there are... I mean, there, there's a lot of data points that show just how little college football fans care about the Pac-12 when it comes to their conference championship games. Same with the ACC. Their conference championship games have been Clemson against insert team here, and Clemson's just been beating the tar out of whoever they play every year. So uh, both conferences are in a little bit of trouble, but what are your thoughts on them trying to kind of keep their respective leagues alive by teaming up? I, I get it. Um, so this is this is where my fandom and like my understanding of of this whole situation start to kind of get blurry because it sucks from a Big 12 fans perspective. Like there are two other leagues actively trying to push you out of the circle because you've gained leverage in the last year by adding new members and strengthening your league. Uh, but I get it because the Pac-12 and the ACC are very clearly trying to keep themselves afloat the best they can by by working together, maybe not by forming some super conference, but by utilizing the brands that they do have and working together and scheduling and, and finding a media company that's going to pay them for working together. Like, I get it. I understand. I think that it for them, it's probably the best option right now. But the thing that sticks out to me is that it just seems like it's kind of delaying the inevitable because this seems like a last-ditch effort, kind of putting a, a Band-Aid on a laceration. Like, it's not going to solve the problem, but it'll stop some of the bleeding for a little while until the real big dogs start fully punching their above their weight and pulling bigger members away from these other conferences. Like, once the Big Ten decides maybe they do want to add Washington and Oregon, and maybe down the road the SEC does want to add the Virginia, Florida State, UNC, Clemson pod or whatever. Like, this is all going to come crashing down. But as of right now, in in terms of, of keeping these leagues afloat, it's the best option that they have rather than, you know, maybe the Big 12 trying to completely poach the Pac-12 or what remains of it. I mean, the Pac-12 is trying to keep itself alive rather than get the the best parts of it taken away by another league 
it's pretty wild. It's, you know, I, when I woke up, I thought maybe it was going to be a quiet day when it comes to conference realignment, but as we got deeper into the afternoon, it definitely started to heat up. The last, the in terms of the Big 12, the latest is that of the four teams that the Big 12 has met with, and actually six if you include Oregon and Washington, uh, the only team that has been extended a bit and is a little bit hesitant is Utah. Now, that that that's more so the four teams that we talked about yesterday. It sounds like Oregon and Washington are really in a wait-and-see spot right now. Uh, would you say that's accurate? Am I hitting the nail on the head there, or what, what are you hearing? Yes. Yeah, you're absolutely nailing it on the head, and it, it comes back to kind of Notre Dame in, in an extent. We, we talked about this a little bit yesterday because it's very clear right now to most sources that the Big Ten wants to add Notre Dame because not only are they a massive brand and a football power, so to speak, but they are also geographically centered in the Big Ten. Like it would, as stupid as it seems to have USC and UCLA join the Big Ten, it makes double the sense to have Notre Dame join it. But Notre Dame already has a pretty hefty media deal with NBC and in its agreement with the ACC for its other sports to make plenty of money and get a share that way. Like they don't have to feel the need to join a conference at this moment. But if the Big Ten can give them a good enough offer, then they can join and that would kind of dictate what the rest of the dominoes would do. Because if if Notre Dame chooses not to join the Big Ten, then obviously their next best option would be to add the teams like Washington and Oregon and kind of round out that West Coast side of things for the Big Ten. But if they don't add the Oregon and the Washington, then the Big 12 seems to be the next likely candidate to sort of mer- not merge, but absorb these bigger brands that are left from the Pac-12. But if the Pac-12 works out this scheduling piece with the ACC, then it seems like they're at least propped up for now. But again, it all goes back to Notre Dame and what Notre Dame elects to do, and that would determine what the rest of college football's landscape looks like. Because then, if Oregon and Washington do decide to join the Big Ten, where, where does that leave everyone else, and what happens from there? One good piece of news for the Big 12 uh, is that CBS informed the Pac-12 that they will not be a player for their rights once that 30-day exclusive window with Fox and ESPN is over. So we, we mentioned the report that ESPN has made a big bid and trying to team up the Pac-12 and the ACC, but that's good news for the Big 12 because CBS has made it very known that they want another conference to replace the SEC with, so they might have their eyes on what could be the new Big 12. All right, uh, let's take a break and come back. We've got a whole lot more on the show. Uh, Coming up next, we'll uh, go through some, some headlines from this week. That's on In the Zone. Our show today is sponsored by In My Home, the home health division of OCCK. They're your local provider for skilled nursing, home health aid, physical, speech, and occupational therapy provided from the comfort of your home. Choose In My Home as your home health provider for quality services. With Jackson Schneider, I'm James Westling. And, well, the biggest headline, I would say, maybe of the week, at least locally, uh, just broke earlier today. Totally missed this. 
The 2022 Big 12 football preseason poll is out. And without further ado, I'll go through it quickly, Jackson, and then get your thoughts. Baylor, your preseason pick to win the Big 12. Oklahoma picked second. Oklahoma State third. Texas comes in at the four spot. K-State fifth. Iowa State sixth. TCU 7th, West Virginia 8, Texas Tech 9, and then KU at number 10. Your initial thoughts on, and this is the this is the coaches poll. This is the Big 12 media poll, I might add. My, my initial thought is it is very weird to see Baylor picked as the preseason favorite, according to the media, but it makes sense. I mean, they've got something special, it seems like, that's brewing with Dave Aranda. I mean, they just won the conference championship last year, so I get it. It's just a weird thing to see Baylor picked at the top for football. Uh, But it's not a hefty lead. I mean, just 11 points ahead of Oklahoma. Baylor got 17 first-place votes. Oklahoma got 12, and then close behind them, 12 points after Oklahoma, with nine first-place votes, is Oklahoma State. So there's kind of a jumble at the top. It's not separated by a whole lot. And then you've got... Texas and K-State kind of closely matched together. And then in sixth, the craziest part of all of this for me is Iowa State was picked sixth with 180 total points. But some person in the media, some credentialed, high-thinking expert, so to speak, in the Big 12 media, picked Iowa State first. After a seven-win season a year ago with the most talented roster that they've ever had, coming off of a, a, a weird cycle where they lose half of their offense. They're going to have starters all over the place that are replaced. And somebody decided to pick Iowa State first, and that blows my mind. And unsurprisingly enough, though, you mentioned it. Kansas was picked last, which I think you're going to expect that for a while. But I do think they're genuinely going to be better than either West Virginia or Texas. Not both, but one of those teams is going to be worse than Kansas Mark my words. Did you mean Texas Tech? Because you just said Texas. Yes, sorry, Texas Tech. I okay. I'm right. too fired up. I'm too fired up. <laughs> yeah, that, that definitely got my attention. All right, hey, uh, just to show you how much baloney these preseason polls are, I pulled up last year's preseason poll. Oklahoma was picked to win the league. They finished third. Iowa State was picked second. Uh, they went seven and six. Texas was preseason picked third. They went five and seven, didn't even make a bowl. Oklahoma State was preseason picked fourth. They played the championship game. TCU was preseason fifth, didn't go to a bowl. West Virginia was preseason sixth, ahead of K-State, who was preseason picked seventh. And Baylor was preseason eighth in the Big 12 last year, won the league, went to the Sugar Bowl. Texas Tech and KU were nine and ten. So, uh, with that said... If I were a media member that was filling out a poll, based off of what these teams did last year, uh, I would have Baylor atop the conference. I think the winner of the K-State-Baylor game in Waco is going to win the league uh, if K-State can stay healthy. I think that Oklahoma is probably going to finish third. I think Oklahoma State's very overrated. I think Texas has potential. Uh, The team that you and I, I think, probably are the most divided on is West Virginia. I think West Virginia could actually be a sleeper team in the league this year. But with that said, I've got a great question for you, Jackson, because I know you like to gamble. All right, I'm going to give you a scenario. What do you put your money on? Okay, you've got to pick one of these two things. K-State to win the Big 12 or KU to not finish last in the Big 12. 
What, would, what is more likely? Per, 100% zero doubt in my mind I would put the money on KU to not finish last. 100%. I think that is far more likely. As And it's you know I'm a believer in K-State. I think they have a very good chance to possibly win the Big 12. I just think that it's, it's a lot more of a sure thing, which neither of these things are sure things, <laughs> yeah. mind you. Yeah, let's be um, careful on the sure thing. <laughs> I just am that much more confident. I do think that there is some positive trajectory, some momentum, and with this brand new Kansas defense with transfers, it's not high school kids, it's not random underclassmen that they just called up and said, you're going to start in a Power 5 conference. It's guys that played in the Big Ten. It's guys that have played started games at high-level conferences and, and solid programs, and their defense is going to be widely better than it was last season. They're not going to get blown out, and they're going to win a game in the conference, and that's really, I think that's all it's going to take. Somebody's going to have a terrible year where they go winless or 1-8 and eight in league play, and I think Kansas is going to go 2-3 and three possibly, or 2-1 and one in their three non-conference games and grab a conference win over the team that they're going to jump for last place. I'm not saying that Kansas is going to win a bowl game and finish third in the league, but I think that ninth is a very realistic possibility. Oh, man, I've got some great scenarios for us. And, and I, I agree and echo a lot of your same thinking there. Okay, of the teams that are preseason picked in the top half of the Big 12 poll, which team, and I'll give you all five in just a minute, which of these five teams are most likely to miss a bowl game? We've got Baylor 1, Oklahoma 2, Oklahoma State 3, Texas 4, and K-State 5. There's your preseason poll, top five. Of those five teams, who is most likely just to completely tank? Texas. Is it, I mean, isn't that kind of the par for the course lately? I mean, last year they went, what, 5-7? and seven? Yeah. And they were preseason ranked in the top 20, if I remember correctly. They were really excited about their new head coach. And obviously, you don't always know what to expect. And there's more of that sentiment this year. Texas is always going to be a team that's going to be getting a lot of attention nationally from a lot of media members because of the brand size and, and who they are and what they've been in the past. But I think that until proven otherwise, Texas is the most likely of those five top teams to miss a bowl game because Oklahoma could have a step back year with their first year head coach in Brent Venables, but I don't think they're going to be in any danger of winning six games. Oklahoma State is consistent as all get out. They might not win 12 games, but they're probably going to win seven or eight, and Baylor is is looking really good and trending upward off of winning the league last year. Like Of all those five teams, I think it's Texas just based on a little bit of precedent. Yep, I agree with you there as well. Okay, next question. Of the teams picked in the bottom half of the Big 12, who's most likely to surge? Because keep in mind last year, K-State was preseason picked 7th in the league. They finished 5th, went to a bowl game, went 8-5. and five. Uh, Baylor was preseason picked last year 8th in the Big 12 Conference and won the thing, went to the Sugar Bowl, played Ole Miss. Uh, you've got Iowa State preseason picked 6th this year, TCU 7th, West Virginia 8th, Texas Tech 9th, and Kansas 10th. Of those five teams, I won't say win the league because, I mean, the odds of that happening back-to-back -back years are pretty much slim to, to none. But of those five teams, who's most likely to you know finish in the top half or the top three? I, I kind of like TCU. I, I don't think they're going to be great, 
but I wouldn't be surprised because of all the teams with a lot of uncertainty and new quarterbacks that we've talked about before, a team that has a new coach, but the same quarterback, the same anchor is TCU. They have senior quarterback Max Duggan back. They've got some solid upperclassmen that are going to be kind of leading their offense. They, When you look at this, this uh, projected depth chart, that rlads.com, who's a pretty pretty solid source when you look at depth charts ahead of the season. There's a lot of upperclassmen. Uh, when you look at their offensive line, it's redshirt senior, redshirt junior, redshirt senior, redshirt senior, redshirt junior. And then they're, they're senior quarterback, redshirt senior tailback, redshirt senior tight end. I mean, they're old. They've, they've got a veteran group. And not to say old is bad, but but it's good. Experience is good, especially when you've got a first-year head coach that needs to prove himself after struggling when he was previously a head coach. So I think that Sonny Dykes and and TCU, I think I, I'd feel pretty good about them, you know, winning six, seven, maybe eight games, surprising some folks, and and getting to a pretty decent bowl game. If TCU had kept Gary Patterson, I would be on the TCU bandwagon. Uh, there's one team in the Big 12 that returns more experience than KU, and it's TCU. Uh, you're absolutely right. They, they've they got, I think, nine starters coming back on offense. They only lose Zach Evans. They have a preseason all-league-wide receiver. They have two two very capable quarterbacks that are actually in a, a quarterback competition. Uh, uh, at least they were in the spring, and then they they bring back their entire defense. Now, they weren't very good on defense last year, but they have everybody coming back. And remember, that was a weird deal with Gary Patterson because the players, they really like him and liked him. And remember, he got fired, but he still stuck around on campus for the last three weeks of the season and helped out like with game planning and, and everything that went in to, to uh, getting ready for Saturday. And, and they actually played pretty well down the stretch. So it, just, it was a really bizarre thing. I'll go West Virginia. You know I'm on the West Virginia bandwagon. Uh, I think this could be a breakthrough year for them. Uh, they've got JT Daniels, the transfer from Georgia at quarterback, was the top recruit in the country three years ago. I think it's make-or-break time for Neil Brown. They don't have a ton of starters coming back on defense, but they're always good on defense. They were 35th in the country last year. They have really good receivers, and they have their top seven offensive linemen back. So I think West Virginia could be a sleeper team. All right, let's take a break. We've got a fun story to wrap up the show with coming up next. In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 and 106.7 for the final time tonight. We've got a headlines portion of the show coming up. If you missed the first two segments, you can always check out our podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Just search uh, In the Zone, KSAL 1150 or something to that effect, and it'll pull up on Spotify. You shouldn't have any problems finding it. We went over the uh, preseason Big 12 football poll that was released earlier today. If you missed that, Baylor, your preseason pick to win the league, K-State 5th and KU 10th. And then in the first segment, we got you all caught up to speed on the latest as it pertains to conference realignment. Now the fun stuff, Jackson. What are some of our top headlines for today? Well, uh, unfortunately, uh, this one is not uh, as fun, but Devontae Graham, uh, we'll start here today. He was arrested late last night, or I guess early Thursday morning is what it's being called, uh, on DWI in Raleigh, North Carolina. 
Um, so the 27-year-old who just completed his first season playing for the Pelicans after spending three years with the Charlotte Hornets, uh, he, he was arrested while for driving while impaired, according to police records. Uh, but he's played in 76 games this past year. I'll average about 12 points and 4.2 assists per game. Uh, but uh, he's a rally North Carolina native, so I guess he's back home for the off season. Uh, but was arrested again on DWI early this morning. Okay, yeah, that one's not fun at all. Um, I didn't realize how good of a career Devonte Graham was having in the NBA. I knew he was a pretty good player at the next level. But just a couple of years ago, he averaged 18 points per game, and he has started 163 games uh, in the last four seasons. And keep in mind, his rookie year, he only started three, so most of that work coming in the last three years. But like you said, he's kind of tapered off, went from 18 a game to 14 to 11 per game last season, but he still started 63 games with the Pelicans. And if the Pelicans can get Zion Williamson healthy ever, uh, could have a pretty good one-two punch with Graham and Williamson. Uh, okay, what else do you have for us in terms of headlines? Well, you know I'm a big tennis guy, so i got to go next to the tennis headline world, and that's Rafael Nadal, who uh, just yesterday won a remarkable five-set match uh, against uh, Taylor Fritz, who's a young American tennis player. He rallied from down two sets, came all the way back, and won in a fifth set tiebreaker. The match lasted nearly four and a half hours, but in the process, he injured his abdominal muscle, abdomen, somewhere in there. I don't know exactly what uh, abdominal muscle it was or if there's a specific name, but he, he injured his abdomen, and they didn't know if he was going to be able to continue in the major at Wimbledon. Uh, but he's supposed to be playing Nick Kyrgios, an Australian tennis player, tomorrow afternoon in the Wimbledon semifinal. Uh, but unfortunately, he has withdrawn today. It is uh, called a torn abdominal muscle. Uh, so he will withdraw from his semifinal matchup. But previously to withdrawing from this match that was scheduled for tomorrow, he was 19-0 and in major tournaments in the year 2022. He had won the... Australian Open, he had won the French Open, and he was tracking to possibly win the Wimbledon major as well, uh, but he will be withdrawing after 22 majors so far. He was trying to add 23, but it will have to wait until at least August for the U.S. Open. Okay. Uh, back to football. This is uh, I, I saw this one last night as well, and I have a lot of questions about it. Uh, in Alabama football player Keelan Robinson had uh, his rings pawned not just at any pawn shop but at a very famous pawn shop and again I have a lot of questions so why don't you tell our listeners what's going on and then we'll see if you can help me out yeah so former Alabama running back Keelan Robinson his 2020 championship rings were listed for sale by a Las Vegas pawn shop for a total of $60,000. And you may think pawn shops are probably pretty common in Las Vegas, but this is not a pawn shop. It is the pawn shop. The show Pawn Stars, yeah, that pawn shop, they ended up in there. It's the SEC Championship, the Rose Bowl Championship, the College Football Playoff Championship ring. Uh, they're, uh, <laughs> they're available because someone 
walked in, and this is going to end up on one of their episodes. Someone named John brought these in, and it's unclear how they came into possession of Robinson's rings, but they had them, and they put them up for sale, which is hilarious. But uh, Keelan Robinson was a former four-star recruit from Washington, D.C., and uh, he, he ran for 250 yards as a freshman in 2019. He opted out of the 2020 season due to COVID-19 and then transferred to Texas last year. And he's supposed to be one of Texas' top tailbacks behind Bijan Robinson this season. All right, my question is, and I think you said that they don't know, how did his uncle or this guy, uh, John, get the rings? Were they stolen from Robinson? Did Robinson sell the rings? And then the other thought that I have is with name, image, and likeness, I mean, he can't be penalized by the NCAA. I mean, he's not in any danger of missing time this season, is he? You know, I'm I'm not sure how that works out, uh, but uh, only within the past year you're, are you able to sell merchandise uh, without risking eligibility. But I'm not sure if that has to do with, like, you know, shoes that you get uh, or T-shirts, hoodies. I I'm, have no idea how it applies to championship rings. But I don't think, based on what I've read, he's going to be facing any sort of punishment. But it is completely unclear of how these people ended up with these rings. They have no idea whether they bought them, whether he, they just found them, whether they were you know, stolen. Nothing appears to be clear at this point. But it is a pretty funny uh, story. Because not only is Keelan Robinson still on the Texas roster and supposed to be a very pretty big contributor for this year, but uh, Texas plays Alabama week two in Austin this season. So who knows? Maybe they're playing for some other rings. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else to wrap up the show? I do. I have one last thing that I want to talk about just briefly, James. And a lot of people have probably seen this, uh, but. Uh, there's some news that came out about a, a local high school basketball player and her family. Her name is uh, Ava Jones, who is actually a very highly touted high school prospect. She's committed to the University of Iowa to play basketball, but her and her family were traveling, and they were down in Louisville, Kentucky, for a uh, basketball tournament. I, I'm not sure. I think it was an AAU tournament, uh, but her and her family were in a pretty serious car accident uh, Ava Jones is expected to make a full recovery, but her parents are in critical condition. You can learn about it by a really uh, a nice article written by a good friend of the program, Billy Watson of the Hutch News, uh, to learn a little bit about it. But I just wanted to kind of send some some positive vibes. Uh, and, and I don't know if our listeners may may or may not be the praying type, but if you are, uh, send some, some thoughts and some prayers to the Ava Jones family so that they can make a, uh, a full recovery and get everybody home safely. Definitely. Thoughts and prayers with the Jones family. And I, I did see this um, earlier today. She was rated as the 83rd best girls basketball player in the nation in the class of 2023. That's according to ESPNW's Top 100. Chose Iowa over TCU, Ohio State, Tulsa, Wichita State, Minnesota, and Drake. So one of the best high school basketball players that the state of Kansas has seen in in 
a relatively you know long time. Uh, you know Emily Ryan was really good out of high school. Some other recent players, and she is certainly in that category just in terms of her skill. So again, thoughts and prayers go to Ava Jones and her family. All right, that is how we are going to wrap up the show. We'll be back tomorrow at five fifteen. You've been listening to a Thursday edition of In the Zone.